You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Are there Pharisees and Sadducees today? Do they exist? Now, I'm not talking about Israel. I'm not talking about the nation Israel. I'm talking about our own church in America. Are there Pharisees and Sadducees in the church today? Is there a clash going on on today between materialism and spiritualism? Is there a clash going on with those those who are legalistic and hold you to the letter of the law? Or those who look at the spirit of the law? Is there a, a clash going on today? The main thing, among others, that the Pharisees and Sadducees disagreed on was the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Today, Pastor Dave is going to show you how Paul used to be a Pharisee. He used his knowledge of what they believed to bring a disagreement in his court case between them and the Sadducees. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 23 as he continues his message, Sadducees versus Pharisees. was a Pharisee. If you read his pedigree, his resume in Philippians 3, he tells you all about that. He called himself a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And here we see his father was a Pharisee also. Paul was a Pharisee at one time. He knows that the biggest bone of contention between these two groups is the resurrection. He knows that. And he uses this to his advantage. Paul uses this now to his advantage. Let's read on verses 7 and 9 through 9. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For Sadducees say there is no resurrection, and no angel or spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. Then there arose a loud outcry, and the scribes of the Pharisees' party arose and protested, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let's not fight against God. Many, many scholars think this is brilliant of Paul to bring this in. Many, many believe that he's brilliant, while some say Paul was just playing politics. But Paul knew he couldn't get a fair trial in front of these people. Paul knew that the cards were stacked against him. He could not get a fair trial in front of these people. If the trial had continued, he knows that he would have been condemned, he'd have been taken outside as a blasphemer, and he would have been stoned just like Stephen. He knows what would have happened. Paul knew that. He probably looked around And he saw lined up over here the Asian Jews who were ready to testify against them and bring false witness. He probably looked around and saw the faces of the Sanhedrins sitting there going, "Hmm, yeah, we're going to get you. Hmm." And he knew the cards were stacked against them. But I believe that this discernment of Paul came from the Lord. I believe it came directly from the Lord. And I believe that the Lord was protecting him. I believe that the Lord had Paul's back. And we'll see this next week as we look at the very, very next verse. But Paul declares that I'm a Pharisee. And it's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you guys want to kill me today. That's the issue. And you know what? He was exactly right. Paul was exactly right. Because when you look at the book of Acts, if there's one thing we've learned, that it's the resurrection that is the entire key of the book of Acts. 
It's the entire witness of the book of Acts, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the key to Christianity. It's the key to Christianity. No other religion has the resurrected head. None. Why? The resurrection brings us new hope. The resurrection brings us a hope that is greater than ever before. When Jesus rose from the dead, he confirmed everything he had said. Everything he had said is now true. He can redeem the lost. He can save our souls. He can help us come to the Father. Man can now come to the Father. Man can be satisfied and doesn't have to thirst ever again. We can experience the abundant life. And we can have eternal life. If the resurrection didn't happen, none of this would be available. None of this would be available. The resurrection is the key to Christianity. So instead of unity between these guys on the Sanhedrin, there's disagreement. Imagine a group of, of legislators disagreeing. Hmm. And they're at the point of such disagreement that a dissension breaks out. And the Greek word here used for dissension is pretty cool. It means strong controversy to the point of insurrection. To the point of insurrection. These guys were really hot. What happens here? Another riot. Paul. Oh. They begin to argue with each other about the resurrection. And, and the Pharisees, the scribes of the Pharisees, the one who write everything down, they jump up and they add fire to the Sadducees' indignation. We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let's not fight against God. This is great counsel. This is wonderful counsel. Don't fight against God. Remember when we studied Acts 5? Yeah, you remember that. Gamaliel? Gamaliel said the same thing to this group. If it's of God, it'll last and we can't fight against it. This is great counsel. But although this is good counsel, this made matters worse. It went from good to worse to really bad real fast. It really fast. There was an outcry from the Sadducees. There's a dissension in the group and they begin to quarrel. But after this remark of the Pharisees, there, it says a great dissension arose. Now, when there arose a great dissension, the commander, fearing least, lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him back to the barracks. <laughs> I don't know if you're keeping score, but this is riot number three. This is riot number three that Paul caused. Caused a riot when he said the word Gentiles, remember? Then he causes a riot when he, when he says the word resurrection, and then the Pharisees stand up, and there's a, this huge riot that happens. Paul's batting a thousand. Now not only do the Asian Jews hate him and want him dead, the Jerusalem Jews want him dead, and now the Sanhedrin wants him dead. I love that. We've said before, from this stage, from this pulpit, we've said before that wherever the apostle Paul goes and he starts to preach, two things happen, either a riot or a revival. Sometimes both, as we saw in, the, in Ephesus. Once again, the Roman soldiers have to save Paul's life. They come down and they drag him out of the Sanhedrin council to keep him from getting the snot beat out of him. It says to keep him from getting torn in two. A lot of love in that group. A lot of love in that group. But as we start to wind down today's message, what lessons... Or what lesson can we learn from these two groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees? And I've tried all sermon long to not to say they're sad because of the res resurrection, so they're sad, you see, but I said it anyhow. It's an old 
really old joke, but it plays well every single time. I always get a laugh. I've heard it a trillion times. I, didn't, I can't even take credit for it. What lesson can we learn from these guys? There's got to be something here that we can glean from the Scriptures and apply it to our lives. There has to be. Or else why study the Scriptures? If we're not going to take the Scriptures and apply it to our lives, there's no sense in studying them. We need to apply the Scriptures to our lives. And even when we get a, to, a, to something like this, well, how do we apply that to our lives? Well, we know that both the Pharisees and the Sadducees earned numerous rebukes from Jesus Christ. Numerous. And we're going to read some of them here in a minute. But I guess the best lesson we can learn from the Pharisees and the Sadducees is not to be one. Not to be one of them. You know, unlike the Sadducees, we need to believe everything the Bible says. We need to know that it's the Word of God, that it's the inspired Word of God, that it's inerrant. There's no fallacies in it. There's no contradictions. It's the true Word of God as God inspired by the whole, men, as men inspired by the Holy Spirit wrote these things down. This is the true Word of God. When we read the Bible, we're reading what God says. And we need to hold that true, including the miracles, including the afterlife, including the Holy Spirit. And unlike the Pharisees, we cannot treat traditions as having equal or priority to the Word of God. The Word of God is the priority of our life, not traditions, not the tradition of man. Traditions don't have equal authority in the Scriptures. They do not. We should not allow our relationship with God to be reduced to a legalistic list of rules and regulations. That's religion. Remember, one of the things that we talked about as having weakened the Jerusalem church was the fact that they became legalistic. They became real legalistic in their thinking. Remember what happened in, in Acts 15 in the Jerusalem council? They rejected legalism. They rejected the idea of legalism when, when the Judaizers came in and said, these men must be circumcised. They must obey the law of Moses to be saved. They said, no, it's by faith and faith alone that we come to Christ. Peter told the legalists in Acts 15.10, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Legalism doesn't work. But what happened to the church in Jerusalem? What happened to them? Through this entire time, we've been studying Paul. Poor Paul, he is completely by himself. We never read, or at least Luke did not record, anything about James coming to defense of Paul. None of the other Jerusalem elders came in Paul's defense. We've read nothing about that. What happened to them? It's scary how easy you can slide into this legalistic approach, and we do it one to another. We slide into a legalistic approach. Anybody, me, you, we're all guilty of it. We slide into a legalistic reproach, and it's so easy. So I have to ask the question today, and I have to pose this to you. Are there Pharisees and Sadducees today? Do they exist? Now, I'm not talking about Israel. I'm not talking about the nation Israel. I'm talking about our own church in America. Are there Pharisees and Sadducees in the church today? Is there a clash going on, going on today between materialism and spiritualism? Is there a clash going on with those hoes who are legalistic and hold you to the letter of the law or those who look at the spirit of the law? Is there a clash going on today? Is, is there something problem? I see this. I think there is. I think there are Sadducees today, people who reject the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in the spiritual. They reject the Holy Spirit. They say the gifts aren't available today. 
The gifts have ceased. We don't believe in those gifts. They grieve the Holy Spirit. They quench the Holy Spirit. They don't allow the Holy Spirit to be their guide. This is the same thing the Sadducees were, were preaching. Look at the Pharisees. There's still churches that have rigid, rigid rules on how you dress, the length of your hair, your clothes. Like they have all these legal, legal things concerning what you look like when you come to church. We learn from Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, 7, we learned that the Lord doesn't look on the outward appearance of man. The Lord looks upon the heart. He looks upon your heart. He doesn't care what it is, how you dress. He doesn't care what you wear. He looks at your heart. And that's so much more important. Today we have liberal Christians and we have conservative Christians. We have people teaching God's word against the depraved concepts of men with itching ears. They won't hear anything but God's word. Just tell me I'm okay. Tell me I'm great. Don't mention sin. Don't mention hell. And don't mention repentance. Can't we all just get along? They're not willing to hear the truth. And that's what God's Word does. It gives you the truth. God's Word is truth. Now, the flesh and the Spirit are always going to fight against each other. They're going to fight against each other inside you, and they're going to fight against each other in the outside sources. There's always going to be a war. Paul says they're at enmity with one another, which means they hate one another, and they're constantly battling. Battling for control of your body, battling for control of this world. You know, what Jesus said in Matthew 23 against the rulers of, the, of that day, I believe it's still true today. I believe it's still true, and they apply to all of us. And listen to these woes, some of them, that Jesus pronounced on the religious leaders. And Check your hearts to see where you are. First thing he said was, they lay oppressive burdens on others. In other words, they place people under the law that neither they can keep nor we can keep. That's legalism. They place people under legalism. They do their work so that others may see it. When you do a work for the glory, do you make sure somebody's looking? I'm going to go brush the uh, thing off. Anybody looking? I'm working here. Uh, who do you do it for? Who do you do it? I, you know, I, Lord convicted of me this long, long time ago. When, when I was back serving at Maranatha by the sea in Ocean City, we rented the, um, what was the name? Anyhow, we rented this hotel. I forget what it was. Anyhow, we rented this hotel room, and I would get there early, and I would vacuum, and I would vacuum. And I would be muttering, muttering under her breath, vacuuming. How come I'm having the vacuum? And all of a sudden, the Lord said, like, who are you doing this for? Oh, I'm doing it for you, Lord. Yeah, well, then shut up and do it. Okay. We don't need to be seen by men. Our reward is in heaven. Jesus says, woe to those who shut up the kingdom. And I see this happen all the time. We've talked about this. We've had many, many talks about prejudice here. And I'm not just talking about color prejudice. He said, woe to you who shut up the kingdom. In other words, you decide who gets saved and who doesn't. I'm not going to witness to that person because I don't like the way they look. I'm not going to witness to that one because mm, I know where they came from. <laughs> so we choose who goes to heaven. It's not up to us. It's up to God. Because if it was up to us, guess what? I need to leave. I don't deserve to be here. If you're going to judge people by the way they were or what they did in their other life, hey, I'm out the door first, guys. I got news for you. Sorry. Sinner. Deal with it. But saved by grace. Saved by God's grace. The leaders led converts the wrong way. They led converts the wrong way. We have 
mega churches in the nation today who are preaching a different gospel. I call it the gospel. They're teaching a different gospel. They're teaching not about sin or hell or repentance. They're teaching these crazy things. Jesus said the religious leaders made false oaths and deceptive oaths. They deceived people. He said the religious leaders were obsessed with trivialities. They ignored the weighty matters. They called them the majors. Too many times we differ because we're majoring on the minor instead of majoring on the major. Jesus Christ, him resurrected, him crucified, that's the major. But we get hung up on the minor things. We argue and gripe each other about the minor things. Jesus said the religious leaders are impure inside and out. He called them whitewashed sepulchers. The same thing that Paul called the high priest, a whitewashed wall. Remember we said that they used to put whitewash on the tombs so they would look real pretty and so people wouldn't get near them because it was defiling to get near a dead person or a body or a tomb. But they looked pretty from the outside, but inside they were dead bones, dead men. He said they were whitewashed, they were impure. He said the religious leaders have a great appearance. But they have no spiritual life. He said they're denying the Holy Spirit. They're not relying on the Holy Spirit for truth. They're not relying on the Holy Spirit to be guided into the truth of life. What are we trusting in? What are we trusting in? The way of Jesus is different. Against the flow. It's serving one another in humility. It's serving one another in love. The way Christ loved me. Unconditional. Oh, woe is me when I don't do that. Woe is me when I can't love you unconditionally when my flesh gets in the way. We need to try to love each other unconditionally. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to fall short of the glory of God. We're all going to fall on our bellies and our knees and get our nose scraped. It's going to happen. I know we don't want it to happen, but it happens. We need to serve each other in love with humility. We need to esteem others better than we ourselves. We need to be other-centered, Gail Irwin. We need to be other-centered. You know, it's a sad commentary that religion and the religious will usually respond negatively to a move of God's Spirit. They usually respond negatively when God's Spirit starts to move. And it's always that way. And unfortunately, it probably always will. But it's because the religious people are not concerned with being born again. But they're concerned about keeping their tradition and their religions. They're not concerned about born again. They're just concerned about being religious. And they think... Religious people can't understand spiritual things. They can't think with the natural mind, and in doing something, they can't grasp spiritual thoughts. Test your hearts. Inspect yourselves. There's Pharisees. There's Sadducees. Maybe you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're quenching the Holy Spirit. Maybe you think it's time to stop playing religion and start having a relationship. Maybe you haven't given enough time to God's Word. Maybe it hasn't been your priority. Maybe you haven't lifted God's Word up to, the, to where it needs to be, the priority of your life. Maybe you're living by another code instead of God's Word, and you're wondering why you're having so much trouble, why you're stumbling all the time. God's Word is what we live by. God's love is what guides my heart. I can't love if God doesn't love me. Scripture says we love him because he loved us. And I love the NIV, and I've said it before. I love, in this one instance, I really love the NIV because the NIV says we love because he first loved us. See, I don't think I knew how to love until I was born again. 
I didn't know how to love until I was born again. And Jesus in me, the Holy Spirit, showed me how to love. That's true love. Before it's just man love, doing what I thought I had to do or doing, trying to get something by love, you know, those kind of things. The agape love that Christ gives us is unconditional. It's unconditional. We love for the fact and nothing else, just love. Wow, that we would love each other that way. That we would love each other. It's time to stop being religious just for the sake of religion. It's time, it's, it's time to stop ignoring God. And, and, and it's time to look at what God's calling you to do in your life. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were extreme opposites. They were extreme opposites. But, but let me ask you a question. Is it possible to hate sin and not be a Pharisee? Is it possible to be compassionate and not compromised like the Sadducees? Yes, it is. We have an example. We have an example. Jesus Christ the righteous, he's our example. WWJD, we talked about it last week. We have an example. And he is the one that we should always strive to emulate. Jesus. You want to know what the example is? Read the word of God and find out what Jesus did. Find out what he did. Well, I can't live up with that. Why not? He lives in you through the Holy Spirit. We need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us into all truth. Jesus is our perfect example. He hated sin, but he majored in love and compassion. He had love and compassion for the woman caught in adultery. He had love and compassion for those that killed him. He had love and compassion. He never compromised. Never compromised. He was never a Pharisee, and he was never a Sadducee. He was a true representation of the character of God. We should be a true representation of Jesus. We should be a true representation of what he is. We need to allow God through the Holy Spirit to guide us. We need to have the Holy Spirit lead us into all truth. You're struggling with what truth is? Pray. Seek him. Because here it is. Here's the truth. Here it is. We read it. Let the Holy Spirit lead us into there. We need to believe in Jesus' promise. Do you know he said, I'd never leave you nor forsake you? Do you hang on to that promise? Do you know he said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly? Do you hang on to that promise? Do you have the abundant life? Seek him. Be filled with this Holy Spirit and have the abundant life that he's called. Now, there are many people who will teach, well, the abundant life means you're going to be wealthy and you're going to have all. Not necessarily. I know people who are dying from cancer who have the abundant life. They have the abundant life because they have Christ. And what a witness they are to the world. It's like, wow, because they have Jesus Christ. It's not about what we have. It's about who we have. We have Jesus Christ. We have to believe in that. We have to believe in his promises. Let me leave you with a thought that I had. Don't take the wide road to religion. Take the narrow road to a relationship. Don't take that wide road that everybody else is on, the religious road. Take the narrow road that calls for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Take that road and live. Shall we pray? Gracious Father, we thank you. You are Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of Acts. This book follows the journeys of many disciples, but especially of the Apostle Paul. He took several missionary trips to tell others about Jesus, and he acquired many companions along the way. Wouldn't it be interesting to be a traveling missionary? 
he met many people who readily accepted the message he was bringing. In other cities, his life was threatened and he was pushed out as people didn't want to hear about the way. But being a Christian isn't meant to just be an easy road. As Paul's life displayed, you go into it knowing that there will be obstacles that you face. Is it worth it, you might ask? Of course it is. The prize that you'll be rewarded is far more precious than the things of this world. Staying true to Jesus, who gave up everything for you, is the best way you can live your life for Him. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you on Sunday mornings. Check out AssureHopeRadio.com for service times and directions. Once again, that's AssureHopeRadio.com. And don't worry if you can't make it in person. On the website, you'll notice links to our live stream via Facebook and YouTube. All of these can be accessed through AssureHopeRadio.com. Don't forget to come back next time as Pastor Dave continues to go through the book of Acts again, right here on Assure Hope.